My favorite most useful strategy in engaging people in my community is to invite someone from the community to talk about the situation or an issue that they care deeply about so that we can amplify their voices while also having meaningful engagement with our people. The School of Splice wants to help you build a viable media business. I'm Alan, one of the co-founders of Splice. I'm Rishad, the other co-founder. If you're building a media business, the first thing you want to think about is your audience, which is exactly what Nandar was just saying back there. She runs a feminist podcast in Myanmar, and for her, representing the community actually means including them. Welcome to this, your third School of Splice Foundation lesson how to build an audience with your thousand truest believers. If you haven't already heard the first two lessons, you should check them out as they're using similar language and labels throughout. Stuff like audience or the users of your product. What do we mean by product? Well, a quick definition is that product is any content that you make available for your audience in any format. I know it sounds obvious, but thinking about your audience and your user isn't just a principle, it's a mindset that you need to have as a media founder or a professional. Your audience is the lens with which you want to look at your business. Let's talk about your thousand truest believers. School of Splice works like this. You can listen to all of this in one go, but you might want to break it up. So hit pause whenever you feel like it, come back later. Some of this stuff is also very, very simple. So you can lean back, you can take the dog out for a walk, or just wash those dishes. Other bits are going to require a bit more involvement on your part. So if we're suggesting that you write your thoughts down, you're going to need a pen and a notebook for that. Of course, some coffee as well. Remember, your media product competes with every single app on my phone. And in 2021, you're going to have to go deeper in building a direct relationship with your users or audiences and your truest believers. Unless you're able to capture attention and build that relationship, you can't monetize. And if you can't monetize, you don't have a business. Just a quick note here. Through these lessons on School of Splice, we'll use words to describe the people who use the content that you produce in a number of different ways. We'll call them users or community or audience or listener, viewer, reader, customer. You get the idea. It doesn't matter what you call them, as long as you remember that almost everything you do is in service to these people. And we really mean believer because these people are buying into your mission, not just a subscription to your newsletter or a like on your Facebook page. If you've heard the other foundation lessons, you're familiar with this Splice principle. You need to build something useful, something relevant, and ultimately valuable enough to pay for. Just to come back to the true fans concept, let's give credit where it's due. Kevin Kelly was the founding editor of Wired magazine, and he first wrote about this concept in 2008. His point was that you really only need a thousand true fans to make a living. His definition was a little different. His, his definition of a true fan is someone who will buy everything you produce. He said these are the folks who will drive 200 miles to see you sing. Kelly also took it a step further. To make $100,000 a year, you only really need to earn $100 from each of your 1,000 true fans. The number here is that $100,000 is a healthy annual revenue number to aim for, especially if you're a micro media company with two people, kind of like us at Splice. The actual numbers don't matter. $100,000 means a lot of different things depending where you live. 
The important thing here is how we think about value. You know, it's always a good idea to look outside of the media industry to learn about how other startups work with their first thousand fans or believers. I've been reading this newsletter recently called First Thousand about how founders got their first thousand customers. Go to firstthousand.co. Very useful stuff. I just want to move to this person that I've been reading a lot about also called Lee Jin. She set up Atelier Ventures. She says we're diversifying from the gig economy to the passion or creator economy. And you see this everywhere now. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Telegram, Substack, Shopify. All these platforms share a few things in common. One, they're accessible to everyone, not just for existing businesses and professionals. Two, they view individuality as a feature, not a bug. Three, they focus on digital products and virtual services and ways to pay for them. Four, they provide holistic tools to grow and operate a business. And five, they're opening doors to new forms of work. So Rashad, what's interesting is that this thousand fans idea was really just in its infancy in 2008. Today, in 2021, it's a reality. And it's one of the biggest media trends out there because platforms are making it easier for creators to go direct to their fans. At Splice, we actually think of them as believers because that's more of an equal relationship, right? Let's imagine what this looks like for the media business. To build a successful media product, you don't need a million page views. That's always nice, but we also know a bot who can do that for you. So you want to discover who your true believers are. It's all in your audience data, but you probably know a lot of them by their first names. Seriously, I mean, think about it. It's that person who keeps your website open by default. She shows up at all your online events. Her newsletter open rate is around 84%. She likes all your tweets. It's a big deal, you know, and at Splice, community is the whole point. We wouldn't be anywhere without the people who believe in us, and we're very grateful for that. In fact, Alan, you want to do a quick shout out to our true believers like right now on this lesson? I promise we won't do 100, but this is, ready? A huge thank you to Jakub. And Gayatri. And Janie. And Karen. And Pat. And Simon. And always Sunny. Uh, definitely Josh. How about Sudhir? And Miriam. Let's try something here, people. Write down the first names of 20 of your top believers. Seriously, you know who they are. Hit pause, take a few minutes, and think that through. So, do you have your list of 20? Our work in media needs to be dictated by how we serve our truest believers. We need their voices to make decisions about how we run our business, how we think about finding and processing and publishing content. You need to start with audience data. You also need conversations. That's right, actual conversations. So as more and more privacy laws are strengthened, it's no longer easy for you to track or follow your users around the web, which is a good thing and a bad thing. So let's resort to more traditional ways of understanding your audience. And that means you may actually have to talk to your true believers. We asked Deborah Augustine of New Narrative how they talk to their audiences. We've learned that regular audience research is a must for growth. We run audience research with our members and readers every quarter through video calls and surveys. We also host one virtual members-only event every month where members can discuss our stories, current events, or watch a performance. Interaction and community are essential to member-funded orgs, in our opinion. These aren't just conversations about your podcast or your newsletter. These are conversations about your audience, your user. Who is she? What does she do for work? What does she do when she's bored? And what problems does she live with? And before we go further, 
you'll notice that we're not talking about demographics. That belongs to media strategy from a whole other century. We need to move beyond restricting ourselves to oversimplifications like, you know, just gender or household income or socioeconomic data. People are a lot more than their data. And it's time to recognize the users of our content and media products for who they are, real people. And to truly respect them is to know them as well as you possibly can. Exactly. So who is your user and how do you get to know her? Begin by building a model around who she is. That's where lots of real conversations help. You start with outlining the basics, work, age, salary, and then you start coloring in the details. What is she watching on TV? What's her go-to app when she's waiting for the elevator? Is she a WhatsApper or a Telegrammer, someone who's online or on WeChat? Does she have kids? Yep. That's what design thinking and user research professionals call a persona. We spoke to our buddy, Juliana Proserpio, of the design thinking firm Echoes in Sydney, and we asked her to tell us a little more around personas. Personas are important for design thinking because they help us put people at the center of our decisions to create solutions that are grounded in real human needs. As Kate Canal says, empathy is the drive for innovation. So you build the detailing around your persona through lots of research, meetings, and data. Or, if you're a small bootstrap media startup like us, you build that persona through as many interactions as possible with the actual people who use your product. Then you test that persona over and over again until you have almost like a real person with a name, an identity, a life that you're speaking to when you build those media products and content. Am I writing this story with her in mind? Will she relate to this podcast? Am I solving her problem? We also asked our friend Tanmoy Goswami, who runs a mental health journalism platform called Sanity by Tanmoy, about how he thinks about community. And he had this lovely little insight for us. You know, try and stay away from this urge to constantly create communities. The community that you want to serve likely already exists. You just need to find it and then figure out a way to serve its needs. In those conversations with your user, you're probably going to realize a lot of things quickly. What is at the core of your media business? What can you do to address her problems, maybe even solve them? What are your operating principles and who is your competition? So we're back to that thing around competition, right, Alan? What you also realize when you're talking to your true believer is that your competition isn't limited to other organizations that also do what you are doing, that also do news. Your competition is what your true believer spends her time doing instead of reading your very important news article. I mean, she's watching Netflix or playing Fortnite. Or, as Netflix themselves said, their competition, apart from Fortnite, is sleep. Here's a quick exercise that might be useful. Take 10 minutes to write down what you think your competition is, what app or TV show or podcast or YouTube channel or game. Hit that pause button now. We're still going to be here. Do you have that list? Okay, let's go back to that imaginary conversation you're having with a true believer. By the way, do you even have a name for her yet? Now think about the amount of content you produce. Is she really waking up every morning looking for breaking news? She probably really isn't even thinking about your news cycle. And really, there's a business point to all of this. Do you really need to be publishing 25 stories a day? I can't even imagine that pressure. Or are you shouting into that existential void of publishing? If nobody's reading your stories, then do they really exist? Maybe fewer, more relevant stories could be the way forward for your newsroom. And more importantly, for your audiences. 
and that means saving a ton of money as well. A great deal of how she consumes media is in her social feeds, but it's also in her email. Email is a great way to break out of the cycle and own that conversation with her. All the tools to do this already exist on your phone. They're mostly free or cheap. Email, newsletters, podcasts, a good old-fashioned chat over coffee, or the audio or video platform of your choice. In short, just meet her where she is. If you don't ask, how will you know? Remember the marketing funnel? Awareness, interest, desire, action, loyalty. And there's another important one at the end of it, advocacy. A real advocate is someone who will stand up and tell everyone else how useful and valuable you are to them. Why do you matter? That's why they're a believer in the first place. Your believers believe in your principles. They probably believe in your work. They believe in you because you've demonstrated that you see them and validate them and respect their opinions. And a lot of this belief comes from your work being useful and relevant to their lives. Man, that's something we say a lot, huh, Alan? Useful and relevant. Your believers really are your best advocates. How many people do you have in your MailChimp list, for example, who would do that for you? Having a 100,000 strong mailing list doesn't matter if none of them will actually vouch for you. Having a million likes or followers won't matter if they're drive-by one-offs. So your relationship with these believers are profoundly valuable. They're making an investment in you, often because they believe in your mission. So don't think it's just a subscription to your media product. It's not always transactional. But listen, we're almost done. This is a good point in this lesson to go back to that list of 20 names you wrote down, 20 of your truest believers. Who's missing? Now compare it to that list you made about your competition. Could this be a premise of a conversation that you begin with your 20? Ask them what they're watching, what games they're playing, and what you should be doing more of or less of. You might just be surprised at how much you will learn about your products and how much you will learn about yourself as a media startup. Then make sure to thank every single one of them by name and keep that conversation going. A little shout out here now to Simon Crear, who's building PS Media in Australia. Hope this session was useful for you. I am enormously excited about School of Supplies. As a homeschooling parent with a toddler too, on-demand audio is a lifesaver. Alan and Rashad are such experts in the media startup space, and I'm sure I will benefit enormously from tapping their brains virtually. I hope that PS will have a thousand true believers by the end of SOS. We hope you found this useful. Go check out the other lessons from this foundation course. And if you have questions, post them on Planet Splice so that we can all learn together. Or join us on our office hour chats on Google Meet every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Singapore time. All of these links are on schoolersplice.com. We'll see you in the next lesson.